Um, I see unfamiliar faces, so I'm just going to introduce myself really fast. Um, my name is Ruth Lynn Nakai, and I am one of the ministry directors here. I am specifically the ministry director of spiritual formation. And what that kind of more or less means is that I'm um, one of my main responsibilities is that I get to oversee the group ministries at this church. And so whether it's the leaders and the groups, it is my joy um, to be a part of that. And this year, I get to be a part of the midweek deeply formed group. So I can't help to come up here and do a shameless plug for that. Um, it'll be so good to see many of you, not just on Sundays, but also on Wednesdays and to gather all together. And I just, I am personally getting pretty um, pumped about this coming season as I'm preparing material with other key leaders. Um, I'm just really looking forward to how God is going to use this particular um, way of meeting to help us to really live into that deeply formed community. So please join me. Consider joining midweek. Um, also special interest groups. We'll talk more about those next week, but just want to at least this week have you to go look at our website and check it out. Um, well, I have four people who are going to come up, and they're going to come up right now. <laughs> and they're going to join me in just a little bit, and they're going to be um, sharing their stories today. Um, we just sang about stories and God being um, a God of our stories, and I'm just really excited for them to join us. And if you are new or new-ish to our church, I want you to know that one of our values as a church is embodied spirituality, right? We come on Sundays and we hear a good word and we've heard many good words, especially this past summer, from different people in our community. And we believe that the living God meets us, right? The living word meets us in our everyday, ordinary lives and the grace of God breaks through over and over. And today we get a chance to hear some of the ways that God is working in the lives of our community. And so I, before I introduce you, um, I want to name that today, um, you know, last week we, we got to hear a beautiful and challenging word from Anthony um, Hiron as he closed out our series of the defiant faith, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And today, um, you know, as we kind of move into the fall, we, re re we recognize that seasons don't change, the Season chains don't happen like, okay, yesterday was summer and today's fall, right? This is a gradual transition. I mean, like pumpkin spice things are on coffee menus, right? But then yesterday it was like 88 degrees and we were swimming, <laughs> right? So we're, today's going to be kind of like that. We're going to lean into this transition moment. We're in between summer and fall, um, and we're kind of leaning into this moment. And we want to, as we lean into this moment and this transition into the fall, we really want to make a moment and remember God's faithfulness. To remember God's faithfulness in the past, in the past couple months, in the past year, as we kind of look forward into and anticipate God's continued faithfulness. So I am excited to, um, and to introduce each of these people, but can we just pray? Can we just pray for our brothers and sisters before they come up and share? God of our stories, we thank you that the stories that are about to be shared are unique to each person, but it is unique to you and um, God of what you are able to do. So I pray for my sisters and brothers who are about to share. Would you give them courage to speak the truth that you have shown them in their lives? And may these truths that we hear with our ears resonate in our hearts and echo out into our bodies as we leave this place today in this moment. May we be uh, marinate in this morning the good living word that is with us. Thank you so much, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, I'm going to invite Heidi to come on up and she'll kick us off. Thank you. Thanks, Cece. He knows I'm nervous. <laughs> Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Heidi Chung. I've been attending New Community on and off since 2013, which is really wild. Um, I can't work this thing. <laughs> All right. So I work as an occupational therapist um, at a neuro rehab clinic, and I just moved to Skokie. So I'm a new homeowner. I'm a new mom, and it's been a year. <laughs> so I'm here to talk a little bit about what it's been like for me the past year and a half. So I was seven months pregnant uh, when the shelter in place happened. I was pregnant with my first child. There was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of anxiety. Um, as a healthcare worker, our organization was going through a lot of changes, and so employees were being deployed to work in a hospital where confirmed COVID cases were, and it, it was spreading. And at the time, my OB-GYN team was advising that I not work because of the uncertainty of how COVID impacted pregnant people and neonates. So I stopped working, I stopped seeing people, and very abruptly, I just felt very cut off from my personal life and my professional life. Uh, the hospital that I planned to deliver in also had yet to decide on whether um, partners were allowed in the labor and delivery room. So <laughs> that was my biggest nightmare was laboring alone. And I prayed and prayed that I wouldn't have to face loneliness in this one space. And God provided, ultimately, the hospital decided that I would be allowed one person, Max, to be in there with me. And thank God that my husband was present um, and supporting me and giving me company throughout my 26-hour labor. <laughs> um, so when we took the baby home, my husband and I, uh, we continued to shelter in place. And I continued to feel very cut off from my communities. We were very boundaried about visitors. Um, I stepped away from church for personal reasons. And around the same time, um, you know, I didn't go back to work for 10 months. I just didn't feel safe, and I had the luxury and the privilege of doing that. So it was a lot of time with mostly just me and this helpless creature that I had to keep alive. <laughs> I did not know what I was doing. and. What could have been a purely isolating experience was actually really enriched with God's goodness and the ways in which he showed me that he was there. Firstly, he blessed me with an unexplainably deep love that I have for my child. Um, I love everything that he is, and, <laughs> and I love everything that he'll be, and I've never experienced this kind of unconditional love for a being before. And I never could have anticipated also having this blessed, uninterrupted, untouched time with him and to see him grow and change every day in those first 10 months. I never had to miss any moments. Um, it just feels so right that his name is Johan, meaning God is gracious, God is merciful. My sister also played a really huge role in making me feel held during that time. Um, she limited her social interactions and her husband's social interactions so that she could visit with me and make sure that I felt safe. She cooked for me. She cleaned for me. She went grocery shopping for us for months and months. 
Um, she even joked that she should get a COVID test punch card because she got tested so often for me. <laughs> she went like every week. It was a lot. Um, you know, and I also had meal trains and I had window visits through friends and also church members that I'd never even met before. Um, I had certain close friends of mine quarantined so that they could spend certain weekends sleeping over just to make me feel safe. And I'll never forget who showed up for me during that time. And, and I'll always remember how God saw me in those spaces of potential isolation and just saved me from it. You know, he positioned these people in my life, and I'm just so grateful for that. But something I've been spending a lot of time reflecting on, however, is an unexpected temptation that I'm facing. Um, it's hard to admit, but I actively need to fight against idolizing my own son. I identified so much with being pregnant and postpartum and a new mom during the pandemic where there was this extra weight of having to, um, you know, sacrifice everything I had, you know, do whatever it took to protect this life um, at the cost of my personal life and the cost of my social life, at the cost of my professional life, at the cost of my desires. And the sacrifices I made were undoubtedly worth it, but I got really lost in it. Um, I lost myself in living only for, for him. And I have to ask myself then, would I make the same sacrifices for God? Do I find as much joy in Christ as I do the things that he gives me? So I'm currently in a space of intentionally re-engaging in my spiritual life and church, and I don't want to do this just because I want a church family for my son. You know, I want to see him with his little name tag on his back and grow up in Sunday school, do VBS. You know, I want that life for him. I do because it's great and I know how wonderful it is. But I want to be back in church to expand God's kingdom and to lay down my idols and just worship him. That's why I want to be here. And that's been really hard. So in reflection of this past year and a half, Jesus has reminded me that not only were we made to be communal beings, but we were made in his image. God created me to be a woman of joy. God created me to be joyful in Christ and to share the love of Christ with others. He made me to be that before I was ever a mom. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to reflect on that. Um, following Christ has been a journey, and I'm really grateful to be on it within this church family. Thank you for listening. Andrew Waite, and I've been attending NewCom for a little over two and a half years now. This past year has been one that has been chock full of life events for me, for better and for worse. I got engaged and have been, <laughs> and with my fiance Hillary, um, we've been planning our upcoming wedding. I've also been blessed with a, a, new, a new job, um, but I've also lost my, my grandmother to cancer. 
and have supported my family. And all of these things further complicated by the, the ongoing pandemic. This has left me at times feeling caught in the middle of a storm, tossed from month to month with busyness, with seemingly no room to pause, rest, or process. The to-do lists have felt never-ending and leaving me feeling emotionally drained. At times, I've been unable to escape the stress and the anxiety, leaving me feeling burned out and seeking to just distance myself from all of it. I've been tempted to lean on my own understanding and my own strength to navigate these various challenges. There have been times where I've thought, well, if I can just wake up earlier, I can work harder, I can overload my calendar, I can be more productive, and then I can manage and handle all of this by myself. I am in control of it all. But in fact, none of that <laughs> was in my control, not for a second. In reality, God has been walking with me the entire time. He has guided me, he has provided for my family and I, and he's been my rock. I have found peace and security resting in his presence through reading of scripture and lifting up my struggles with honest and desperate prayer. Consistently being in the word and spending time in prayer before work has helped to anchor me through all of these various stressors. I've found that it clears my mind and helps me focus and keeps me from being overwhelmed. It helps remind me to continually surrender all these things that I've sought to control to the only person that can actually handle them and to his strength and to his will. In addition to these spiritual disciplines, I've found great comfort in the community God has blessed me with here at Newcom. This was especially true with my grandma's long battle with cancer. My micro group was there for me every step of the way. They prayed for me, they reached out to check in on my family and I, even going so far as to lend me a car so I could be with my family in her final days. It has been a blessing to also be able to process um, my emotions and seek counsel with my mentor during our monthly phone calls and check-ins, knowing that they are always available for me whenever I need them. I'm incredibly thankful for the wonderful people God has put in my life here and for them coming alongside me in my journey. I'm proud to call Newcom home. Thank you. Good morning, my name is Helen, and I've been going to Newcom for nine years. It's pretty crazy to believe that it's already been nine years since here and my time in Chicago. Um, but those of you who've met me before and who know me as a friend, know me as the person who's super happy, very outgoing, caring and loving. But halfway into last year was when I completely lost sight of that person in me. Um, and there were two things, I believe, to this day that um, led me to feeling that way. Um, one of them was me, a classic Enneagram type two, the helper and the empath in me, just completely lost um, the energy to be able to give to others. Um, my heart had nothing more to give anymore. 
And the other one was through a lot of personal, really difficult personal matters that um, I wasn't equipped for. I, was, I didn't know how to take care of myself. Um, so when it was a time for me to actually look after and address my needs, I didn't know what to do. And I felt trapped and I felt lost. So the combination of these two led me to feeling, feeling hopeless. Life felt meaningless. Waking up in the morning was such a struggle and everything looked gray and bleak. And it was one of the most difficult times of my life. And I actually started feeling envious of other people that were finding joys during this difficult time of pandemic. There were people my age buying houses. There were people my age getting engaged and married and getting new jobs. And it's normal to feel that way, right? When you're having such a hard time on your own and you see other people going through a lot of happy things. But for me, I felt so much guilt uh, with that. So add feeling gray, feeling hopeless, add, let's add guilt to that. Um, and I think a lot of the people who knew me and who met me last year probably didn't see that because I was trying to hide this pain behind this figurative mask to let them know I'm okay and I don't want to burden you anymore. Um, but I think the true friends that I've known for a while probably noticed that I've started reaching out to them less. And um, yeah, so I was reaching out to them less and it was really difficult for me. And the biggest temptation that I was, um, I believe last year was that I deserved to feel this way, that I deserved to be sad because I didn't try hard enough and I wasn't good enough. And I wish to this day, I wish I could tell you why I believe that and I was so fixated on that, but I can't tell you why. Um, and as I was preparing for this testimony, I was looking through my journal entries from last year and 90% of them said, this is, there's no hope for me. Um, it, I can't see a light at the end of this tunnel. But I think there's one sentence that I wrote in there um, that was a turning for, point for me, and that was, God, give me the strength to love myself. And that was a turning point because that's when God told me, hey, you can take a break. You don't have to take care of other people. Like, in case you didn't know, like, I've been doing that this entire, like, your entire life and for as long as you can remember. So you can take a break. And now I want you to see yourself the way I see you. I want you to love yourself the way I love you because I'm the one who created you in my image. And you deserve so much more than you could possibly ever imagine. And once I started practicing that mindset, of course it wasn't easy and it was scary and it was new, but once I started practicing that, oh my gosh, it felt so liberating and so exciting and so loving. And oh, it was such a new feeling for me. And, you know, as I think about this past year, I think one of the biggest lessons that uh, God has taught me was that community doesn't always mean that you have 50, 60 people around you. Um, where you have to be the one taking care of them and you're supporting them, giving their 100% undivided attention. I'm reframing the definition of community where community means a group of people that you trust and respect and they all come together. And like 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, we are all parts of one body in Christ. 
and we're all here to um, worship God. So thank you so much for listening to my testimony. Good morning to community. My name is Josh Koo, and I've been here for about three years now. Um, oh, yeah, the rest of my mask. Yeah, there we go. Okay. All right, so this idea of surrender. Um, I pray that prayer all the time, you know, since as young as I can remember. You know, Lord, I surrender to you. Have your will in me. You know, let your will be done. But I never realized how partial I was to that desire. Like, I like the idea of surrender, but deep down, I wanted my own terms and conditions to that agreement. Um, you know, my MO was to say, I'm surrendering everything I have, but in actuality, never fully letting go. Like only dropping a couple things here and there just out of mere convenience. And then arrogantly saying to God, you know, see, I'm more open, I'm more willing, I'm ready to re receive more blessings, you know. And for the longest time, I believed that lie because I thought the successes in my career were God's way of approving of my partial surrender. So just to give you context, I'm a high school teacher. And in five years, I rose from part-time teaching to being the vice principal of our school. So I thought, man, like God's giving me these unbelievable opportunities. Clearly, this is, he's okay with everything I'm doing. I need to go all in on this, you know. But that was the lie that I was telling myself and how I was dictating God in my life. You know, and justifying that to myself. And it's funny because when you justify it enough, it eventually becomes your truth. You know, and it's funny when you do, you know, fall away or stray, stray away, it's never like a seismic leap. It's more of like an inching, right? And as you inch farther and farther away without realizing, just the rationalization becomes easier and easier and easier. Um, so the inches quickly turn to miles. And where the only, eventually the only thing that was important to me was my career. Faith, family, friends, it all came second fiddle to what I was doing in my job. And over the next course of the next several years, I realized how unfulfilling that was and how my job slowly ate away at my soul. And it led to me feeling more numb, more apathetic, and me gaslighting myself to say, this is what you wanted, this is what you worked for, this is you. And that season for me, I liken it to like jumping out of an airplane uh, without a parachute, right? I knew the fall was gonna eventually lead to my demise, right? But man, I was distracted by the clouds and the rush of everything just was so reassuring, you know, to say that it was all worth it. So I pushed and I pushed and I pushed because I allowed myself to be defined by my vocation and not my devotion to Christ. And then it finally hit. I came to a pass and I finally broke through the clouds and I realized how far I'd fallen and how close I was to hitting the ground. And I started to panic and I started to get in this downward spiral. In that moment, that's when I realized, you know, I never filtered out God's voice in this symphony of success. You know, I had all these crescendos of achievement and, and affirmations from people in the world but that was only drowning out his gentle whisper to say, come find true peace in me. And in that moment, I decided to walk away from my job, potentially jeopardizing any future in my career, uh, you know, taking a big step back as people might consider it. 
and I worked so hard for. But I knew that full surrender was what God would truly wanted for me. And I wish I could tell you the following year was just like rainbows and butterflies and joy and frolicking in fields, but man, it was hard. It was really hard. It was filled with vulnerability, anxiety, and just heartbreaking work to come to terms and fully accept what it meant to surrender and live into that complete concession when I was just so stubbornly not wanting to give that up. And the aftermath was so challenging also because I felt such an intense guilt where I realized, man, I was abusing God's blessings and I was exploiting it and I was just doing everything that I shouldn't have been doing for such a faithful father. So I kind of felt like the, you know, the prodigal son, right? So undeserving of grace. But then there was this one night that just changed everything. Um, and it's a, little, it's a little bit graphic, so I apologize in advance, but it tells the intensity of what I was feeling. I had this dream, and in my dream, I saw my heart. And it was wrapped and entangled in endless amounts of, like, razor-sharp barbed wire. And thinking, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's my heart. I don't let anybody in. And then I just see God approach it and just roll up his sleeves and unrelentingly just dig his hands in, fighting through the wire to go after my heart. And I'm on the side just panicking and yelling at God, like, what are you doing, you know? Look at your arms. They're all bloody. They're all cut. It's just so much pain. Stop, stop. This heart isn't worth it. I'm not worth it. Stop. And then he looked at me and he said, I've always wanted your heart. No matter how bruised, no matter how bloodied, no matter how broken, the heart is mine, and you're worth the pain. And that broke me. Uh, yeah, I woke him in just a flood of tears. And that moment, I, that's when I kind of bought in, like, I need to really buy into this idea of complete surrender. And I need to drop everything out of these hands that I was so frantically trying to control and keep a hold of to say, once I drop everything, that's when God can fill it up again and in the ways that he intended to do so. So as I reflect on our uh, title or sermon series, Defiant Faith, I think of that word defiance in a couple different ways, you know. First, like the defiance, my own defiance to God, right? That I could hijack his purpose and exploit it and just abuse it to the ways for my own liking, right? But also, too, God's defiance to seek me after my heart, despite the fact that I gave him every reason not to. Yeah, so thank you. Amen. Thank you all so much for sharing. Wow. I, I feel like, you know, when sometimes people share, I don't know where to stand, um, you know, in groups, like when someone shares something and just can't just, like, thank you for sharing and then just go into announcements. I feel like this moment right now, like, my heart, thank you so much, each of you, for sharing. I mean, Heidi, as you were sharing, I was hearing, you, I hear is hearing God, Emmanuel, God with us. And not this just God with us for my little bubble, but this God with us, this calls us with us and then sends us back out to be God with us, show God with us to the world. And, and Andrew, as you were sharing, I just felt that God was reminding me of, in our desperate prayer, that stood out to me, desperate prayer, Jehovah Jireh. My provider, God the provider, not Andrew the provider, my God, my provider, and the freedom in that. And Helen, as I was listening to you, I, I heard God remind, you, remind us of God is a God of sorrows. 
And that is through his wounds, through God's wounds, we are healed. Through his punishment, we experience peace and no strings attached, right? And just that's the God who loves us and all, everything and it wants, and our, loves us and our belovedness. And Josh, as I was hearing you share just, this is so counterintuitive, but the Lord of Lords and how liberating that is. The surrender when we hear the Lord of Lords, the Lord of all. We don't hear that and we don't hear, we don't, we don't jump to that name, right? Like God, Lord of Lords. But I heard in your story, the Lord of Lords and there is freedom and there is joy and there is love. So praise God, and I, before I dismiss these people to come down, I want to ask um, Josh and Helen to come up, and if you don't mind grabbing that microphone over there. Um, since I'm on staff, it doesn't, uh, you hearing me inviting you into community <laughs> is one thing, but I wanted to invite both of these individuals to share a little bit about, um, just, I asked them this question. I said, can you just give me one minute of soundbite advice as we kind of engage in community this coming year? What would your advice in, in your location in this church, right, but also where you've been, um, what would your soundbite be? So I want to have you come up here so our, our remote friends can hear us, um, but go ahead and share for us. Uh, yeah, so as I've told you before, I've been here for nine years, but still there, every year I still feel like a newcomer. Um, and my advice for, is for um, those who just started coming out to Newcom. Um, I just want to affirm you all by saying that I see you and I hear you when you are feeling overwhelmed by coming to a church called New Community and you're trying to find a new community for yourself. So my advice for you is to challenge yourself to be curious and to um, step outside of your comfort zone to go to that church picnic that they were announcing the past couple of weeks or join that um, life group that you wanted to join for a long time. So. Um, I want to say that because I'm speaking from experience. And I remember one time I asked for a prayer up here when I was feeling lonely um, from a st complete stranger. And she literally changed my life. And that's when I started feeling really connected to a uh, new community. So uh, step outside of your comfort zone. I, I know it's not easy. Um, but yeah, that's the advice that I have. All right, my advice would be to, oh, over here, to those who are more experienced. You know, maybe you've been in the shallow end of being part of community, whether it's out of comfort or trauma or history. Um, I would say lean into the discomfort. Um, you know, I come from a church background where you don't share too much, right? You only share palatable sins, right? You can't be too uncomfortable because then you get people uncomfortable or, uh, and you make people, you know, burdened by your struggles. And I know my personal experience was even worse because it was used against me where people were saying, oh, he's going through too much. That's too much. He might be a bad influence, you know. And that always bothered me because, like, this is supposed to be the opportunity to heal. Why are we, you know, playing this facade? And furthermore, like, you know, if we always sing about being God's army, like, why are we the only army in the world that shoots at its own wounded, right, and abandons them, right? Um, so this idea that and my microgroup has taught me to just fully lean in, right? Let go of that safety net and just fully lean in and say, this is me, my honest self, the good, the bad, the ugly, you're gonna experience it. Let's experience it, let's journey together, right? And that only happened when I had to, you know, take the courage to jump into the deep end, right? And that really allowed me to just understand what it means to journey in life, share life with people, to share in joys and comfort each other in their pains and struggles. And that only happened when I had to take that leap of faith to say, I'm going to step out of that shallow end and go into the deep end. So if you've been in a community for a while um, and it's been kind of been comfortable in the shallow end, I encourage you guys to step out of that comfort zone and go deep. 
Amen. Thank you so much. Can we just give him one big round of applause again, just as a praise of God? And thank you so much for sharing.